You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast recorded with Hashem's help in 5768-2008, right here in Ramat Beit Shemesh, Israel. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Mitzorah. We have a continuation of the previous Parsha where we discussed the idea of Tzara'as, this spiritual leprosy, the affliction that was caused because of speaking Lashon Hara. So, as I believe I mentioned in last week's podcast, so not only do we have a tsara'as, this type of leprosy, that can occur on the person's body, but we also find that it can occur on a person's clothing, and not only can it afflict a person's clothing and his body, but it can even affect a person's house. These are the verses that we find in this week's parsha. Hashem said to Moshe and Aaron, as follows. This is in chapter 14, verse 33, 34, 35. When you come to the land of Canaan, that I'm giving to you as an inheritance, I will place an affliction of tzaras, of this type of leprosy, upon one of the houses of your possession. And the one to whom the house is shall come, Again, he comes to the Kohen, and he says, I saw this Tsaras. Now we have two very different and seemingly contradictory explanations as to why it is that a person could have Tsaras upon his house. How is it? Why is it? Why does Hashem do this? Why does Hashem place this leprosy type thing, this spiritual leprosy, upon a person's house? So the most famous explanation is Rashi, and that is that the reason that it afflicts a person's house is because when the Canaanite nations, the nations that were in, in the land of Israel before the Jews, so when they heard that the Jews were coming, so they had all this wealth, and they hid the wealth inside of the ground or inside of the walls of their houses. So what happens? The Jews come into Israel, and they start to they take over the land, and they inhabit those houses, and they won't find the wealth. So what does Hashem do? Hashem places leprosy upon the house in order that the Jews should indeed find that wealth. Because what happens is when a person finds leprosy upon his house, so he has to take apart the walls, he has to take out the stones, the affected areas, the afflicted areas. So what happens after a person takes out those afflicted areas, he finds these treasures that the Canaanite nations had hidden. That's Rashi. A little bit difficult, as you'll see in a moment. But before we say the difficulty, let me just tell you what I brought down in the art school Chumash, in the name of the Rambam. The Rambam says that just like we find by all other places, the leprosy, the spiritual leprosy comes because of the sin, the transgression of speaking evil, evil speech, slander, saying negative things about others. So to overhear, this affliction also is a result of negative speech. Not only that, says the Rambam, but what Hashem will do is Hashem will first, the, the verses are actually out of order, Hashem first, when a person speaks evil speech, so Hashem places the tzaras, this leprosy, upon his house. Person doesn't doesn't repent, so Hashem will place it on his garments. And if still a person doesn't repent, then Hashem will place it upon his body. The point is that it's a totally different idea. The art school brings down that in fact this is all based on a Gemara. The Gemara says in Yoma eleven B Yudalaf Mabez that the verse says Uva Asher Le Habayas verse thirty five. It says he that has the house, he who owns the house, he's going to come. And he's going to tell the Kohen that he saw this tzaras, he saw this leprosy. What does it mean? Why does the Torah say it this way, the one who owns the house? Because it's stressing that this person was a very selfish and 
Gashmius-oriented person. He's totally involved in his house and his possessions to the point that if someone would come and say, can I borrow one of your things? Can I borrow something of yours? He would say, no, I don't have it. I lent it out or it's broken, it's gone, I lost it. He would lie, he would say, because he was such a selfish person. So what happens? The Gemara says that after a person would get Saras upon his house because of this selfish act, this selfish speech, this selfish attitude. So afterwards, so the Kohen says before he comes, he says, you go to your house and take out all of the kalim, take out every single thing from inside of your house, because if I come and I say that the house is tummy, the house is impure, everything inside of the house is going to become impure as well. So first, before I get there, take out everything from inside of your house. So he would get home and he would have to quickly take everything out and he would have to ask his neighbors for help to take everything out. And lo and behold, the neighbor who asked him to borrow that certain item would say, hey, here's your item, why, why wouldn't you lend it to me? And it would be shown, his negative behavior would be shown to all. So this is all implied in the fact that the verse says, Uva Asher Habayas, the one to whom the house belongs. He thinks it's completely him. He thinks everything is his. He thinks that everything is about himself. And he forgets the fact that Hashem has given him things. Hashem has given him all kinds of different possessions in order that he use them for the best thing. And he also used them to help others. And use all of his abilities and his possessions and his money in order to bring about a greater Kiddush Hashem in the world, to bring about sanctification of Hashem's name, and to help others. And not, to, not just to be selfish. Okay, that's the Rambam, and that's based on the Gemara and Yoma. Now, it would seem on the surface that this is a complete steer, a complete contradiction. On one hand, Rashi seems to say that it's the reason that the leprosy goes upon the house is for a positive purpose. It's in order to reveal that there is some kind of wealth inside of the house. And according to the Rambam, it would seem that it's a totally negative reason. It's because he did something wrong. He was very selfish. He wasn't a good person. Now, if one examines the verses very carefully, Rashi seems very difficult to understand because on the surface, if you read the verses, it's very clear, and I'll read you specifically from verse uh, Nun Gimel, 53. It says, So they had this whole process with the birds, as we saw previously in this week's parsha, And so he would send off this bird, outside of the city, out to the field, and he shall atone for the house and purify it. So now, atonement doesn't come unless someone has done an avir, unless someone has done some kind of transgression. It's very clear from the psukim that there's something negative that happened for which he required an atonement. So how can Rashi say that this person, the reason that they're taking out this house is in order to provide him with wealth? It seems to be something that doesn't, doesn't sound like that's what the verses are talking about. It certainly seems to be much more mashma. The, the simple explanation of the verses seem much more in line with the Rambam. That this nega, this tsaras came as a result of some kind of transgression. How do we understand Rashi? So last night I had an opportunity to speak to Rabbi David Orlovsky, a wonderful rabbi who teaches in a number of seminaries in Jerusalem, who was also one of my neighbors when I lived in Jerusalem. And he asked this question, and he gave a beautiful explanation, something really, really insightful. And I think that we can take it home with us, take it into our hearts, and really learn something very special and important. And he said that in truth, Rashi and the Rambam, they do not disagree. They agree that the reason that this tsara'as came about was because a person was very selfish, self-centered, not willing to share his possessions with others, He's the one who came along, this is my house, this is mine, 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 me, 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 me. Not concerned about anyone else. Not a giving person. 
Now, this type of person is the type of person who even what he has is never enough for him. Whatever he sees, he always sees someone else who's going to say something negative. He's going to be selfish. He's not going to give what he has. He's not going to share what he has. He's not going to be willing to give out. And whenever he gets money, he's going to be stingy. And he's going to always need more and be amassing more and more wealth. So Hashem looks down on such a person and says, This guy, let's call him Ruvain. Ruvain, he's only interested in himself. He's very selfish. He always looks at other people and he says negative things about other people. Why? Because he never feels like he has enough. He's always looking at everyone else's thing. Okay, he needs more. I'll give him more. So now when he opens up the rocks in his house and he has to take off that, that stone with Saras on it, the leprosy upon that stone, all of a sudden he finds his dreams. His dreams are fulfilled. He finds this money. He finds this wealth. So as I'm saying this, this is bothering you. What do you mean, Hashem? God looks down at someone who's greedy and says, Here, I'm going to give him more money. This doesn't make sense. Listen to this. We find it says by Shemitah, by the sabbatical year which we're in right now. The verse says, If you say, What's going to be when Shemitah comes? How am I going to... What am I going to be able to eat in the sabbatical year? I won't be able to plow. I won't be able to do any kind of farming. How am I going to eat? How am I going to have food on the table? So Hashem says, Don't worry. In the sixth year, you're going to have three times the amount of crops. You're going to have enough for the sixth year, the seventh year, and the eighth year. Don't worry, everything's going to be fine. Now, Rabbi Rolofsky said, what if you don't ask? What if I didn't say anything? What if I didn't say, what am I going to eat in the seventh year? What would happen? You know what would happen? Nothing would happen. You wouldn't have triple amount of crops. And you know what? You wouldn't need triple amount of crops. All you would need would be an, that which you grew in the sixth year. And somehow, miraculously, Hashem would make it that that's enough for you. You wouldn't need any more. Just like by the mun, we see by the manna. So it didn't matter how much you took. If you took a little bit, you ended up with exactly what you needed. If you took a lot, you also ended up with exactly how much you needed. It would have been the same thing. If a person wouldn't ask, what am I going to eat? How am I going to be able to survive? How can I support myself? I can't do it. How can I possibly do it? When a person asks that question, Hashem says, don't worry. I'll take care of you. You're going to have triple. You're going to be able to see it. And what if you don't ask that question? Then you don't even need to see it. You trust Hashem. You know that even what you have is going to be enough. And then miraculously, it is enough. We find a similar thing. It says by the Kohanim, the priests in the Beis HaMikdash in the temple, so there was the lechem upon him, the showbread, the special bread that would stay fresh from week to week. At the end of the week, they would split up the bread from the previous week amongst all the kohanim, the priests that were working there from the previous week and the following week. Now, the Chazal tell us, our sages tell us, that what happened, each one, there wasn't really that much bread, and there was only enough for a small, very minute piece for each and every kohen. So, however, when they would eat that piece of, that piece of bread, it was a very small piece. It would go into their stomach, into their stomach, and it says it was misbarich b'meyov. It would be blessed inside of their innards, and that meant that when they would eat it, they would feel very full, even though they ate a small amount. Now the Gemara says that there were some people that would grab. There were people who were very uncouth, and they would go and they would grab their portion, and they were afraid that they wouldn't get enough. Now the question is, why were they grabbing their portion, these priests? Doesn't everyone know that it's misbarich b'meyav, that whatever you take, whatever you eat, even if you eat a little bit of it, it's going to be blessed in, the, in, in inside of your innards and it's, you're going to get a full? And the answer is that even though it could be that they knew it, but they didn't really believe, they didn't trust. They didn't trust that that was going to happen. And because they didn't trust, it wouldn't be enough for them. And therefore they would need more. And that's why they would have to grab more in order for them to be satisfied.
The same thing happened in Shemitah. If a person didn't trust, so they would need to have triple as much. Whereas the person who did trust wouldn't need as much. Said Rabbi Orlovsky, it's the same exact thing over here by this Tsaras. This person, he's totally selfish. He believes that every single penny that he has, if someone comes to his door and says, can you please give me some tzedakah, give me some, give me some charity, he says, no, this is my money. Don't touch it. He believes that He's so self-centered, so focused on himself. He doesn't realize that everything comes from Hashem. So Hashem says to him, Okay, you need money, it's not enough for you. Here, have more. It's the same thing, it's the same idea. This stinginess, this thought that I have to keep everything that I have, I need to be cheap, I can't spend money, it comes from a, a scarcity mentality. We have to have an abundance mentality. We have to realize that everything that comes, every, every penny that we have, every dollar that we have, it all comes from Hashem. There's an idea that person. the more the person gives tzedakah, it says, Aser to Aser. Chazal, our sages tell us, when you give miser, when you give off a tenth of your income to miser, to tzedakah, to charity, you become rich. And there's an idea that a person should give even up to a 20%, even up to a fifth. And the more a person gives, the more the person realizes that everything is from Hashem. I want to tell you a story that happened to me this week. And Baruch Hashem, you know, I, I try to work on this idea. I try to work on the idea of recognizing and realizing that every single dollar that I have comes from Hashem. And I'm in, a, I'm in the type of business, you know, what I do for a living is I, Baruch Hashem, Hashem sends me parnas, a livelihood through music. I sing at weddings. I do bar mitzvahs, all kinds of different simchas. And it's the type of business where you really have to learn to trust in Hashem. Anyway, this past week, so I had to rent a car because I had a wedding on this past Sunday. And they came into the car place, and in the morning I had called them and said, I want to reserve a car. I wanted to reserve the cheapest car, which was 130 shekels. And I came into the store in the afternoon, and I said, I'd like to take my car. And they said, well, we have no small cars for 130. We only have a bigger car for 176. I said, what do you mean? I, I, um, I reserved the car. So it turned out that the guy who I had reserved the car with hadn't written it down. So now they were going to charge me. They weren't going to give me an upgrade because I hadn't been regist- registered in their computer. So I said, listen. I ordered the car in the morning. I didn't get upset. And I said, listen, if you want to take the extra money from me, everything's from Hashem. I really believe that. Every single extra shekel, every single extra dollar, it's from Hashem. If I'm not supposed to have the money, I'm not going to have the money. I didn't get upset. A few minutes later, in walks in a guy returning a car, a small car, 130 shekel car. I said, see that? Unbelievable. And I started singing, We love you, Hashem. I started singing that. These guys are not religious. Anyway, they were smiling at me, but they're like, I'm not letting you take that car. I'm like, you're not letting me take the car, why not? He's there like, it's not clean. I'm like, what do you mean it's not clean? You've given me cars that aren't clean before. Anyway, they, the real reason they didn't want to give me the car was because they didn't want to wait until the guy finished giving in his car. It would take a few minutes, and he just wanted to give me the, the larger car. And he said, you know what, I'm going to give it to you at 130 shekels. And I started singing, Kadosh Baruch Hu, Anachnu Avim Otcha Hashem, we love you. And you know, like, when a person realizes that everything comes from Hashem, Hashem, you know, He reciprocates. And when you're cheap and when you, and you think that you have to be stingy and worry every dollar, I can't give tzedakah, I can't give so much charity because uh, this is my money, I need to spend it on this, and I know I have so many bills. But you know, when you let go and you realize that everything comes from Hashem, I asked for Scheinberg, Ashila once about tzedakah, and he said to me, "Every single dollar that you spend on tzedakah comes back to you. You don't lose it. You don't lose it. Hashem gives you a cheshbon. Hashem makes the accounting on Rosh Hashanah. How much money you're going to make? Tzedakah isn't in the picture. Whatever money that you give to tzedakah is not included in how much money that you're going to have as your income. Every dollar that you give to tzedakah, it's all yours. 
It's all yours. You get that eternal merit. What an unbelievable investment forever. You get that eternal merit. You have to really believe it and know it. And it's really true when I've spoken to people who are in, in business and they try their hardest to make money and they know that everything comes from Hashem. Bottom line, everything comes from Hashem. But a person who doesn't realize that and he's very selfish, so Hashem says here, listen, you think that you need to be wealthy, you think that every dollar is, 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 has to be counted and, and, and looked at. You're so stingy, you won't even give out, lend out your things. Everyone's going to see that you're stinginess. And not only that, you're going to get extra money and things are going to look great for you. We have a concept that the way a person wants to go, they send him in that way. If you want to be a truster in Hashem, you want to be someone who trusts in Hashem and knows that everything comes from Him, Hashem will help you. If you want to be someone who's very cheap and, and not interested in, in trusting in Hashem and not interested in sharing and not interested in giving, Hashem will lead you along that path as well. Hashem silcha al-yadi Hashem is your shadow by your right hand. The way you behave is the way He responds. If you behave with trust, then Hashem becomes your miftah. He becomes your mainstay, your trust. If you don't trust Him, then Hashem lets you, so to speak, go out with the, you know, leaves you to chance. If you think things are by chance, Hashem leaves you to chance. But if you trust in Hashem and you know that everything comes from Him and you're not going to badmouth someone else and you're not going to be stingy and you're not going to say, I'm not going to give charity because how can I give charity? I have so many bills. When you let go and you realize that everything comes from Hashem, everything comes from Hashem, and Hashem gives you everything. Thanks for listening. Have a great Shabbos.